Good morning and welcome to the MIPS conference call. All participants will be in a listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please sign on conference specialist by pressing star then zero on your telephone keypad. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. Please note that this event is being recorded. I will now like to turn the conference over to Max Strandwitz. Please go ahead. Good morning and thank you, operator. My name is Max Strandwitz and I am the CEO of MIPS. And with me today, I also have our CFO, Karin Rosenthal and we will present the year-end report. So if we start with the key highlights, and I'm now on the second page of the quarter, as we communicated before, we expected a soft fourth quarter, and indeed we did see a soft quarter. Net sales in the fourth quarter was down with 46%. If we adjust for currency effect, organic growth was down with 53%. If we look at the year-to-date performance, our sales decreased with 7%. And of course, as we also explained before, Q4 is a very bike-heavy quarter. In prior comparator, we had almost 80% sales of bikes in the quarter. So of course, with the soft a bike market that we have seen in the last quarter that had a ripple effect on the results, and that's why we saw the soft performance in the quarter. If we look at the other type of helmets that we also do, we saw a little bit of a different performance. We continue to see very strong performance in snow, motor, and in safety, and really happy with the development there. We do expect the soft demand in bike to start normalizing during the spring, as we communicated before. We remain positive on the longer-term outlook in bike, with very strong trends driving the longer-term demand. Since we see this as a temporary dip, we and the board are proposing an increased dividend to 550 sec per share which equates for 82% of net earnings. And of course, we continue to invest behind our strategic priorities to make sure that we can deliver on our long-term plan. We didn't experience any major disruption in supply chain during the quarter, despite that we actually saw a significant COVID outbreak at the end of the year in China, but no major impact from that. And we remain confident in delivering on our long-term strategy and also our financial targets. If we turn page and then go to the third page, in sports, we did see a mixed development with a very challenging bike market, but a strong snow market. We saw a decrease in sales of 50% in the quarter. Year-to-date, sales is down with 10%. Bike, as I explained before, is the main contributor with a decrease of sales of 59% in the quarter. Snow continued with a very strong performance in Q4. And if we look at the year-to-date performance, 
of snow, we actually managed to grow 85% in the full year of 2022. If we look at retail inventory of bike helmets, it's still somewhat unbalanced, but we do expect it to normalize during the spring. And like we said before, the long-term positive outlook for bike remains. And despite the challenging market, we have actually performed a record number of customer implementation projects in 2022, and we did almost manage to achieve one new helmet project finalized per working day, which is, of course, a fantastic number. If we then turn to next page and we look at Moto, in Moto we do see good progress uh, and we also launched our first helmet in Moto GP. We did experience growth of 33% in the quarter, year-to-date growth is 35%. And we continue to see good development both in on- and off-road helmets. And we are also very happy that we have the first helmet in MotoGP launched, so Moto Grand Prix, with Kabuto during the quarter. They have a rider which they have signed, which his name is Alex Espargaro. He is one of the top three ranked in the world, and he will be riding with the helmet and, of course, with the MIPS technology during the season. So really happy about that. And we continue to see good development both with existing brands, but also a significant number of new brands and models being launched. And like I said before, we do also expect that the outlook for the category to remain strong with good demand from both customers and consumers. If we look in safety, we have established a really strong customer base. We have said before that volume is going to increase going forward, and we actually saw good development already in Q4. We have now launched partnership with 11 brands in total, we have the organization in place to make sure that we can also drive awareness and sell through in the category. We did also announce our partnership with Formips, the second global brand, Delta Plus, in the beginning of February 2023, which we are, of course, very happy with because it's always easier to drive sell through with brands that have global reach. And with the new and the old brands, we have a strong platform to generate volumes. And 2023 is all about sell-through and to deliver volumes exactly like we communicated before. As I said, in supply chain, we didn't see any major impact from disruptions, despite that we actually saw a significant COVID outbreak at the end of the year in China. And we have seen that supply chain is starting to normalize, but we still expect it to be somewhat unpredictable. We have seen that lead times is reducing drastically, and also time uh, from factory to market has reduced uh, dramatically in the last months. But of course, supply chain is expected to remain unpredictable. And if we then turn to next stage, when it comes to new product launches, launches, we have ramped up our investments in product development during the last year, and we did actually launch three new technologies during the year. Uh, AirNode, 
was launched in conjunction with Tour de France, with Specialized. Uh, this is our lightest solution so far. Included the padding, the weight is somewhere around 19 to 20 grams, depending if you have a medium or a large version. So really, really low impact on the total weight of the helmet. And if you look at the MIPS-specific solution, it's actually only 7 grams. So a great integration of MIPS also into a really high-performance model in road cycling and really happy about that solution. What is also great for that solution is that it will actually also be sold as an aftermarket product. So if you buy a specialized helmet, you wear your helmet for some time. After some months, you can, of course, wash it if you want. And when it's uh, worn enough, then, of course, you can also replace it with a new one. And I think that's really a great way for MIPS also to becoming more consumer-centric. Then we also launched uh, our solution Integra Split, which is a fully integrated MIPS solution that can be offered with dual-density capability. Probably not the word that everyone uses every day, but it basically means that you can manage low-impact and high-impact uh, when it comes to linear impacts and so on. So really a versatile helmet and a great introduction also of a new MIPS technology that was launched with the off-road brand Fox in August. And then, as you saw already in the Kabuto helmet, we launched our Integra TX uh, at the motorcycle fair at EICMA, the world's largest motorcycle fair in the world in November. And there we also have integrated the MIPS solution fully into the padding and can actually be implemented in most type of helmets with a very limited uh, impact. All the solutions that we have done is, of course, strategically important and great additions to MIPS technology patterns. We do get also questions, what is the runways of this new technology? And you have a runway on all the new products from 2036 until 2040. So, of course, we can use those products for a long time. If we then go into next page, and I'm now on page number eight. During the year, we also launched a new graphic design. Of course, we are an ingredient brand, but we also want to make sure that we elevate the brand and the product that we are integrated in. We have therefore reworked our whole product portfolio with a completely new graphic design, which looks fantastic and it's a real step up in design. We will roll out this during the year and actually already started last year to all our customers in 2023. So something really to look forward and really proud about our new design. If you then turn to next page, in sustainability, which is a very important area for us, we also made a lot of progress. 2022 was really a year for us where we wanted to create a strong platform for our future work. And of course, in order to create a strong platform, you need to have a foundation. Our foundation was built around three different areas. So first of all, 
in order to make sure that we make the progress we, we should make, we signed up to science-based targets where we will be audited against the progress we make. We also signed up to the UN Global uh, Compact 10 Principles, which is of course something we're also proud to adhere to. And then we also started to offer more circular product offerings. We have uh, introduced recycled materials and sold our pro first products already in 2022. And this is, of course, something that we want to roll out in most of our products and offer to most of our customers. All of these are, of course, great results and very important for our long-term journey in sustainability. If you then turn to next page and we look at the, the development in the different categories we're in, Sports, like I explained, soft performance, we did see a decline of around 50% in the quarter. Moto, good performance with 33% in the quarter. You have to know that it was against a little bit of a soft comparator last year, but still really happy with the long-term performance and also the performance in the quarter. And then in safety, we start to get some traction and we have also communicated that numbers will go up through the year and we are quite happy with the performance there. I will then hand over to our CFO, Karin Rosenthal, who will talk about the financial development in the quarter and the full year. Good morning. I'm Karin Rosenthal, CFO of MIPS, and I will take you through the financial part of the presentation. We saw a soft development in the fourth quarter with a decrease in net sales of 4 to 6%, adjusting for FX due to a strong dollar versus SEC. Sales decreased with 53% organically, fully explained by the weak bike and market. Gross profit was down 47% and a gross margin of 72.3%. Down 70 bips versus last year due to volume effects from decrease in net sales and the product mix. In OPEX, we continue to invest in our strategic priorities. We saw a negative impact of 11 million from FX, mainly driven by hedges under the operating costs in the quarter. EBIT was down 77% to 24 million compared to 104 million last year, an EBIT margin of 22% versus 52.6% last year due to decrease in net sales, continued investments in our strategic priorities, marketing and R&D, and higher operating costs related to exchange rate effects. We saw a strong operating cash flow of 47 million in the quarter. If we look at the financial KPIs, organic growth of minus 53%, an EBIT margin of 22%, and 47 million in operating cash flow. If we then turn to next page and look at the development for the full year, net sales during the year decreased with 7%. Adjusting for FX due to a strong dollar versus SEC, sales decreased with 19% organically. 
Gross profit was down 9% and a gross margin of 72.1% versus 73.2% last year. In OPEX, we continue to invest in our strategic priorities, R&D and marketing. EBIT was down 30% to 229 million compared to 326 million last year and an EBIT margin of 40.7% versus 53.6 last year. Operating cash flow of 236 million compared to 277 million last year. If we look at our financial KPIs, organic growth of minus 19%, an EBIT margin of 41%, and operating cash flow of 236 million. If we then turn to next page, we are now on page 13, balance sheet and cash flow. We have a strong cash position with cash and cash equivalents of 532 million. And important to point out that we don't have any loans. Cash flow in the quarter amounted to 47 million. We have a strong balance sheet and due to our positive outlook, the board proposes a dividend payout of 5.50 sec per share versus 5 sec per share last year, corresponding to 82% of net earnings. Over to you, Max. Thank you, Corinne. So if we then summarize the quarter, so fourth quarter actually concludes uh, challenging, but in many ways also a very successful year, where we saw good development in all the categories except within bike helmets, of course. We tend to focus a lot on the bike performance given the weight of our portfolio. But of course, we are extremely happy what we have done both in Moto, where we really start to see some traction, and also happy to see that now also our investment in safety is starting to pay off. When it comes to the soft bike market, we expected it to remain soft into spring, as we communicated before. We said that somewhere around uh, end Q1, beginning of Q2, we expect the market to start normalizing again. That has not changed. But it's also important to realize that as we go in in Q1 and Q2, also the mix changes. So the weight in bicycle helmets of our total sales, of course, decreases. In Q1, we saw a mix in the year before of somewhere around 50% sales of bicycle helmets. And actually, when we go into Q2, we actually see that the main production that we have is in snow helmets. So there, of course, the importance of bike is even less. We have a good outlook in safety and motor for 2023. Really happy with the development. We have actually during the whole process also when you look at our investments in marketing, product development, making sure that we are as consumer relevant as we want to be continued all our strategic uh, priorities uh, to deliver on the long-term strategic plan. And we are confident to deliver on our long-term financial targets. We then open up for questions. So, operator, over to you. Thank you. 
We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. If at any time your question has been addressed and you would like to withdraw, please press star two. At this time, we will pause momentarily to assemble our roster. Our first question comes from Adela Deschen with Jeffries. Please go ahead. Yes, good morning, Max and Karin. Uh, a couple of questions from me. The first one relates to your visibility within Bike as we enter into 2023. So there's obviously several competing theories out there about what will happen. Um, so what are the driving forces behind your confidence in a recovery already this spring? Yeah, so I think, I mean, when we talk about recovery, we also say that the bike market will start to normalize uh, during uh, NQ1, beginning of Q2. We have also said that when we go into Q3 and Q4, we actually expect to start growing in bike again. Why do we do that? When we start selling to bike helmets in Q3 and Q4, we are actually doing that for the 2024 season. And by then, we really expect that the bike market will be in balance again and that we can start to deliver growth in Q3 and Q4 this year against a very soft comparator. I'm assuming then that you're already having good discussions with your customers about the 2024 bike season. Yes, it's, it sounds promising at least, and a lot of brands is expecting that then we will get back to a much more normal market. And I think, I mean, when we look at the underlying trends in, in bike, they have actually not changed that much. There is still a lot of people that buy e-bikes. There is still good growth in e-bikes. And normally when you buy an e-bike, you get a new helmet. You travel with higher velocity, as I explained before. You also see that people want to commute. Even people in the U.S. have started to commute and so on. High gas prices, of course, drives that behavior, and also everyone wants to do good for the environment and also quite healthy to communicate uh, or commute to work. And then if you look at the outdoor trend, even though it's not as strong as it has been during the peak pandemic uh, situation, of course, we still see good uh, trends there. And a lot of those drivers, when you add those together, you can actually expect also that in 2024, the bike market will return back to growth again. Got it. Great. Um, and then also on your outlook for safety, um, I believe you previously said that you expect sales in the range of 20 to 30 million sec in 23. Does this figure also include the recently announced partnership with Delta Plus? Yeah. So, of course, we never talk about uh, brands that we have not launched, but now we have launched Delta Plus and we will actually start delivering to them also probably in the end of Q1, maybe beginning of Q2. So yes, they will have an impact also on that number. Okay. And then finally on your cost base, and especially as it relates to R&D expenses, um, do you still budget for this to be somewhere around 
5% of sales going forward. I noticed that it, it ramped up a bit as a percentage of sales during 22 compared to 21. So what should be the no, I mean, we have done a lot of activities. When you look at 2022, we ended at 4.7%, which is, of course, a little bit shy of the 5% that we want to go for. I think that 5% is quite a good number to aim for. Uh, we have done a lot of activities uh, during the year with our new graphic design, three new product launches and so on. So I really hope that we can keep that momentum and 5% is what will deliver that in terms of investment. So I think that's a reasonable amount and the right amount for MIPS at the moment. Got it. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Adela. Our next question comes from Danielle Torsen with ABG. Please go ahead. Yes, thank you very much. First one on bike inventory levels. Do you see similar development in Europe and the U.S., or have you started to see any kind of uh, normalization in any of the two markets, uh, or which one do you expect to improve first? Yeah, I think, I mean, like I also said last call, there is a little bit different dynamics, and, and the bullwick effect in the U.S. was a lot bigger, so there, of course, you saw that the retailers carried a lot more inventory. So, of course, a lot more inventory to work through. At the same time, you had a much stronger consumer. And actually, if you start looking into the more premium, higher price segments and so on, they are actually start to get quite low in inventory. So there, it's more to work through uh, all the low uh, cost and low priced inventory on the market, and, and that is starting to happening and so on. When it comes to Europe, it's much more about the consumer confidence, of course, impacted very much from the war in Ukraine and so on. So there is actually different types of drivers. You had some inventory that is starting to be reduced also in Europe. So they start from different points, but of course, the, in the end, the results will be the same, and we expect also Europe to become a bit more normal than we have seen during 2022. Perfect. That's helpful. And then secondly, if we think about the safety development here in 2023, are there any quarters that potentially can see larger or smaller volumes due to not, not only production seasonality, but also planned production with your customers and brands or launches that, that, that could be good for us to be aware of, or should we see a steady improvement here quarter over quarter throughout 23 on, on volumes and sales? Yeah, and of course, since we are on the growth journey, I think the best way to is to assume growth quarter over quarter going forward, because that's what we expect. Excellent. Uh, related to that, do you see any competition in safety or any pushback from helmet brands that do not see the reason to have MIPS in helmets? No, I mean, we have seen, of course, in any category, any category we have launched in, we have always seen people saying that MIPS is not needed. And, of course, that started our whole discussion in safety where we really had to do our homework and really our scientific validation in MIPS when it comes to construction uh, accidents and so on. And we are really happy to have that work in the back pocket when we initiate the discussion. The whole scientific publication around accidents 
uh, statistics in uh, construction sites is, of course, important to, to have when you explain the relevance of MIPS and so on. We haven't seen a lot when it comes to competition yet, but I do expect, I think it will be very, very strange if we are the only one talking about rotation and motion in uh, the construction industry. So not a lot yet, but we expect more to come. I would be surprised if we would be all alone. Yeah, seems fair. Final question, a more technical one. The 11 million FX effect here, currency effect on EBIT in the quarter. Where, where are we ahead? What should we expect for Q1, like directional-wise, given the spot rates we have? Should it be a negative effect here as well, but not the same magnitude, or how should we think about it? Uh, yes, it will be a, a, an effect also in Q1, but we don't expect it to be as much as in Q4. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you, Daniel. Our next question comes from Carl Oscar Wikstrom with Bering Burke. Please go ahead. Uh, hi. Thank you for taking my question. Um, I actually had a, a follow-up on the on the announced partnership with Delta Plus. Um, so I think you said in the press release that roughly sort of four hel million helmets produced per year there for them. Um, just in terms of the of, of the of the the launches you're planning and sort of what's in the pipeline, um, how how much of sort of the total volumes do you expect you can sort of penetrate with the MIP solutions um, through that partnership uh, in sort of a long term uh, view? It'd be quite interesting to hear about, and then um, maybe as well uh, sort of to build on on Daniel's questions. But so you're basically saying then a gradual increase. Q on Q uh, and quite stable. There won't be any sort of big launches. So let's say Q3 or anything like that. Would that would be sort of break the trend? Let's say just to clarify that. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I mean, what we plan for is always growth quarter over quarter because normally when you do launches as you do in in safety it's not like we have seen in other types of effects where you have a big pipeline fill you need to fill up with the retailers it's much more a gradual growth that you expected to see and that's also why we expect growth quarter over quarter when it comes to delta plus of course we are very happy uh, that uh, we got them on board always when we talk to a brand partner we always expect to become a bigger part of their assortment because what we have seen over time is that when MIPS doesn't become a material part, they will also not do a good job with MIPS. And of, well, of course, for us, it's important with our market position, but also that we have a relevant partner on the other side. So, yes, longer term, we expect to have something more material coming out of this. As you also see in the press release, we start with their most premium helmets, which is the granite helmet uh, or granite helmet that they have. And then, of course, we will look at the rest of the assortment like we do with all of the customers. But that's the first one out, and that's the real priority to put on the market. Sure. And, and then in terms of sort of ramping this up now and growing volumes within this category, um, how does the actual manufacturing process sort of differ? Where is it? Is it also produced in China? Um, are there any kind of capacity constraints or, or et cetera to be aware of within safety, or will it be sort of as 
scalable and flexible as it has been in sports. Yeah, we, we don't expect any real difference. I think the biggest difference that you will see over time is that a lot of the construction helmets is actually produced outside China. So you see a much more uh, broad network of production. The biggest manufacturers normally have up to three, four different sites that they produce around the world. And, of course, we will follow that logic. So we will ship to whatever site is required and sometimes even produced in the vicinity of that site. So we will see a change of our supply chain and also with a lot less uh, production in China that we have seen in other types of, of category. When it comes to a production of uh, construction helmets, normally you only have the big ones, maybe four or five different types of helmets. Then you can also optimize in a very different way. And actually the cost of labor doesn't become a constraint, and then you can produce in a lot more places. Of course, we are ready for that. We have that in our plan, and we will not see an impact in terms of margins or other things. We will use our scalable business model. It has served us well so far, and it will continue to serve us well also going forward. Perfect, thanks. And then, um, yeah, I guess, I mean, bike is quite clear, uh, sort of what, what you're expecting there, but maybe on, on the Moto side of things um you know you you mentioned in uh, during the cnds or going into scooters and, and, and expanding into new geographies etc um could you just comment a bit on what's going on there and, and, and sort of where you where you stand on that plan uh, uh, at present yeah so i mean for us uh, we don't want to talk too much about things that are too far far out especially when you are a growth company people expect you to grow immediately so when we talk about things, they are normally within reach. Uh, we are already doing work on the e-scooter and the emerging markets and so on, and we have that as our higher priority. Since we have put it into the plan, you can also expect that something will happen in that area and so on. But we will talk about that in due time. Yeah, now that's, that's clear. And then I guess the same, the same then for bike with the sort of you know, children uh, bike helmets or sort of lower, slightly lower price range as well. So I guess it's the same yeah. answer on that. Yeah, and, and in bike helmets, I mean, for us, I don't think we have done a good enough job when it comes to kids' helmets because, of course, they are extremely important to us and everyone else, and, and we could have done a better job. Uh, of course, there we have done a lot of work when it comes to really making sure that we have the scientific validation also there in our back pocket, and that work has been done. And we will accelerate a lot of the work that we do with kids' helmets because if you look at the penetration rate in kids' helmets versus other types of helmets, we are only at 10% of the addressable market, and there is no reason why we should stay at that number. More kids that we need to make sure that they have a relevant niche solution also in their helmet. So that is happening, and you will see some launches already during this year. Great. I'm going to open up for, for someone else, but just one final one has just crossed my mind. How much of the total bike helmet volumes is represented by the kids category in terms of the global market? Do you have an idea? Yeah, I would say 
Yeah, in total, it's somewhere around uh, 10% of our addressable market. And then, of course, you will probably say that that's a little bit low. And it is low because if you look at a lot of the kids' helmets that is being sold around the world, is in the mass market and they are sold at somewhere around 10 to 15 US dollars. And of course, that's not the market that we address. So 10% of the helmets that we address, but if you look at the total market, I would probably assume it's more up to 20, 25% of the market. All right, cool. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you. Our next question comes from Emmanuel Jensen with Danske Bank. Please go ahead. Max and Karin, and thank you for taking my question. And I believe that at this stage, most of my questions have already been answered. But can you give us some flavor on on the bike category and what? kind of type of retailers that maybe have seen a better situation, uh, maybe at the current trading and also throughout the, the, the re most recent quarters here, is it mainly the, the bigger retailers with maybe better cash flow situation or as you have also seen in, in the US where you have uh, a lot of independent bike dealers, um, have you seen any like improvements in, in, uh, in, in that kind of different kind of a retailer? Yeah, actually, that's a very good question, and, and there is somewhat a difference. If you look at the really big bike dealers that have a lot of more control of their supply chain, they were the first one to react, so they actually slow down quicker than anyone, and they will also start up a lot quicker than anyone. So the bigger ones that have their own supply chain much more under control, they were much quicker to react, and they are also, of course, quicker out of the starting pits, like I said. Then when it comes to the independent bike dealers, especially in the U.S., it depends a little bit. The ones that have been really close to the market, uh, the true independent one, I would say that they are quite good at managing the inventory. They know what they need. They know their market and so on. And we already start to see some recovery there. Then you have also a lot of branded retailers with uh, track and specialized and so on. Since they have a lot more of the supply chain, probably it will take a little bit longer for them before they are out of the starting pits. Okay, perfect. And can you give us any sense of how how um, on how big uh, percentages of, of, of group sales or bike sales that comes from independent bike dealers? In In the U.S., you mean? Yeah, or in the, or in the total, if, if, if that's possible. Yeah. And you normally talk about the independent bike dealers in the U.S. in our addressable market to be somewhere around 30 to 40 percent. Okay, perfect. Uh, good. And just a quick question on uh, on snow category and also motor now entering Q1 and Q2. Uh, it feels like on how you're stating the words as well that we will see a gradual improvement here in, in terms of uh, organic growth uh, since we also um, will face less exposure from, from the bike segment in Q1, Q2. But uh, can you uh, give us some flavor on the inventory levels in, in moto and in, in the snow category? Mm. 
Yeah, when it comes to there's two mixed uh, situations. So of course, when it comes to gradual improvement of organic growth, I hope that you don't mean snow because of course 85% is a fantastic number to have in a year. And of course, we have seen a really strong start of the season in uh, snow. Uh, the snow category, we know that the U.S. market have had a lot of snow. And, of course, we also start to see uh, a lot of snow also in Europe after a slow start. So, at least I think we are off to a good season. Of course, when we started the season, there were very low inventory when it comes to uh, snow helmets on the market. And given what we have heard so far, it indicates that it will be a very strong season and that we will start with a normalized season uh, for next year. So I wouldn't say that we will have a lot of carryover inventory as it seems now. When it comes to motorcycle, uh, there is a little bit of a different picture because, of course, a lot of the brands have been extremely busy with certifying the helmets for the new standard EC2206. There is also a lot of the old uh, motorcycle helmets that you are still allowed to sell but not allowed to produce, which is under the EC2205 standard. They have been sold out on the market. They are mainly impacted on the street motorcycle helmets and so on. And we actually don't see a huge impact for that because our proportion of the total sales there is still quite low. And for us, it's much more a penetration game. And we also now see that a lot of the new EC2206 helmets, which is the new standards, is being rolled out, and when you roll out a new helmet, it's often with a MIPS technology. So, of course, we see the ramp-up effect from that. Okay, cool. Yeah, and is that mainly from existing customers within Moto, or is it new customers that, that you are getting from uh, due to the new standard? It's both. Both, yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and lastly, from, from my side, just, uh, just thinking about safety and you, you signed the uh, UVEX uh, last year and now you also signed uh, Delta Plus. Uh, do, do you feel that, that it's creating a buzz in, in the construction market and is it easy for you to, to get in contact with, with other helmet manufacturers and so on? Yeah, I mean, when you talk about an ingredient brand, journey, you always talk about being relevant in a type of helmet. And of course, with these two bigger players, you become much more relevant and a lot quicker than we actually expected. So of course, it's always good to have a couple of ambassadors that vouch for the technology. And of course, if you go into a tender process with a construction company and you bring something new on the table, of course, it always helps. So yes, we see that, especially in the U.S. market, we really start to become a little bit of the bus that we really wanted to be. So, yes, you're right in that sense. Perfect. Thank you very much, Max. That, that's very helpful. That's all my questions. Thank you. Our next question comes from Carl Dijenberg with Carnegie. Please go ahead. Thank you, and uh, hi, Karin and Max. So, uh, two final questions from my side. Uh, I guess most of the topics have all been covered, but I want to ask about uh, the cost planning here going into 23. 
and and more primarily on OPEX. Um, just it's been up roughly 30 million in absolute numbers, both in 2021 and, and before the pandemic, you were at roughly 15 million up. Uh, so I'm just wondering if you could give any uh, sort of uh, cost guidance here going into 23, uh, not accounting for any volume changes, just uh, sort of what you're planning for and what we can uh, expect going into the new year. Yeah, I mean, first of all, since we are expecting some growth, uh, we have a couple of uh, metrics that we steer our businesses uh, around. And one is, of course, marketing at 7% of net sales. We believe that's the right number. We were a little bit higher this year because, of course, uh, we didn't expect the dramatic slowdown that we saw in the second half and so on. So we expect to go back to around 7% there. Then when it comes to R&D, then we believe that 5% is the number that we really would like to see. And in terms of the other areas, since we have a quite a scalable business model, they will not increase to the same extent. What we do, however, is, of course, since we see this more as a temporary thing and, of course, making sure that we are calibrated against our long-term targets, we still invest in the business. We haven't stopped hiring. We have continued to hire throughout the whole, both Q3 and Q4, because, of course, for us, it's the right thing to do. So you will see a cost increase also in 2023. Okay, very well. And, and uh, <clears throat> my final question was on the, uh, the gross margin development here in Q4. Uh, it improved quite significantly uh, sequentially compared to Q3, while uh, the volume development is, uh, from an organic perspective, fairly similar. So I'm just wondering if you could uh, elaborate a bit on the drivers there and, and uh, what uh, explains the the incremental difference between 69 and Q3 and 72 are in Q4. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at historic numbers, we have said before also that we uh, are targeting a gross margin above 70%, which we tend to deliver. So I would probably say that 69 is probably not the normal number there. We had a couple of things that, of course, like you said, unfavorable volume, unfavorable sales mix, and we also had quite a lot of um, tooling costs relating to new product development and so on, which were putting a little bit of a burden on gross margin. So it's probably more Q3 than Q4 that was not normal. Okay, very well. That was all for me. Thank you. Thank you, Carl. Again, if you have a question, please press star then one. Our next question comes from Alexander Siotrasdron with Parita Securities. Please go ahead. Hi, Max and Corin. Uh, I just have two uh, short follow-ups. Uh, firstly, you mentioned that uh, you expect uh, growth in uh, sports in the second half of uh, 23. And I was just uh, thinking about, are, are you sort of aiming for uh, 2020 levels or 2021 levels in terms of, of volume or uh, somewhere in between, if you could uh, give some color on that in terms of your expectations. Yeah, of course, we are not that granular in our guidance, even though we have been guiding more than we normally do. We do expect 
to get back to growth numbers, both for the second half of the year and also full year, given that we expect that the first six months will be a little bit down, then of course, the second half will be a little bit up. So uh, that's what I can give you. I wouldn't start estimating that we will go back to 2020 numbers. We will see more modest growth rate for uh, 2023 than that. Okay. If you take a longer picture, of course, then you will see that we, in order to hit our long-term financial targets, we need to grow with almost 30%. And over time, of course, that's what we need to go back to. Yeah. And then just on the collaboration here with uh, Delta Plus and uh, uh, the Granite uh, model, just uh, wanted to follow up with uh, with a question here. Uh, do, could you say uh, how large of uh, volume that is uh, compared to the four million in total for uh, for the brand? Yeah, I mean, given that it's their most premium solution, they will probably sell a couple of hundred thousand of a solution like that. And then, of course, Delta Plus is still on the growth journey and so on, and implementing MIPS is probably supporting that growth journey. But that's what I expect without knowing exactly where they will be today. Okay, perfect. Thanks a lot. This concludes our question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Max Strandwitz for any closing remarks. Yes, thank you everyone for listening in to our year-end result presentation and speak to you again after the Q1 result. Take care everyone.